brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is Rashad Penny, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap here with Byron Lambert here on the podcast. I believe episode 231 of the podcast. Our apologies for not getting these up on YouTube for these last uh, couple of episodes. For those who didn't know, I mean, I've talked about it on the podcast before, but we are on a worldwide webcam shortage. And I'm still waiting on Logitech to even get my order sent out. Byron. I assume you have a webcam. Uh, sorry about all this. How the hell are you doing, brother? Good, man. Just deciding whether it's time to start cutting my own hair or not. <laughs> it's so funny, man. Like I've I've been cutting my own hair for a for a large portion of my adult life. There was a little while last year that I um, that I started going to the barber shop just because there's one kind of uh, one up in Lakeway, just right here by by where I live, where it's like. Kind of a cool old school style, like you know, men's barber shop, and I started to like that. But man, you're like, it's just it's very easy for. I just kind of shave my head, you know what I mean? I get like a number three, get a number three, and just uh, take that thing and, sh- and shave it all around. Just have my wife clean up what I didn't get to. Well, I've been debating taking the plunge, and I think today's the day. Are you gonna just gonna shave it? Yeah, my guy a little squirrelier hair to maybe cut than yours. You got a pretty good head for just going straight up buzz cut too. I think what <laughs> I'm going to have to do is start with the longest attachment up top. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be very difficult for me to do multiple lengths and make it look good. So, but I think I got to start with the longest on top and find a way to get You're shorter. Not be, dude, don't try and give yourself a fade. You're going to get yourself in big trouble. And the problem is there's nowhere you can go to unfuck it up. <laughs> you just got to have to live with it. I, I, I think that what I would do, man, if you're going to cut it, I would just go all one, just go all one length, maybe take it a little shorter than usual. Maybe you'd end up liking it. I thought maybe I could go a little shorter on the sides than on top, and then, <laughs> You're and, not then be able to. and then just cut it really often because I know there's no way it's going to grow out well. Yeah, I don't know. Well, hey, I say go ahead and go for it. Go ahead and go for it. Let's see what the let's let's see what the hell happens. Um, Ed, Ed Bouchette, 
of the where does Ed Bouchette write for? Is he still with the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, or is he got hired on by the Athletic or something these days? I believe uh, he's with the Athletic. Yeah, the Athletics. Ed Bouchette fully expects the Steelers to draft a running back. Um, James Conner headed into a contract year. Here's the exact quote. I'm pulling this via Roto World. I don't think they'll sign Connor to a new contract this year as he enters the final year of his rookie deal. Um, so that is interesting. Behind him, they have Jalen Samuels. They have Benny Snell. They also I don't know if he'll make the roster, but I know our, our friend Sigmund Bloom really likes Kareth White, who uh, more of sort of like a – I think more of a special team contributor. But, I mean, a guy who we've kind of liked before in the preseason. What do you think about this? We've talked about Connor before. Um I think it makes a lot of sense. I'm not sure if this I'm not sure if this tells me more about how they feel about Connor or how they feel about Benny Snell. That that you know, people around the team, Bouchette's one of the guys who really does get a lot of in, intel from, you know, in, 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 inside the building uh, with that organization. If it tells you more about how they feel about Connor because I don't feel like it takes much deductive reasoning to understand why the team would want to go and get a running back as James Conner is heading into a contract year. But with Benny Snow, with Jalen Samuels, it might be more of an indictment on those guys that, you know. Heck, I mean, there there are teams you can think of with with running backs heading into, you know, contract years or with or – with, um, Running in, coming into the year before their the second to final year of their uh, their contract that they signed previously, that have younger runners on the roster that they're not necessarily uh, thinking about going out and getting a new guy. You know, Benny Snell is not like what I'm saying. Like, let's say that I get it, it's not really the same, but the Buffalo Bills, you know, no Frank Gore. You know, they do have Devin Singletary now, though. So I don't think there's people around that that facility saying like. I fully expect him to draft a running back. If does that make sense? It's like Benny Snow could have been the thing that was going to keep them from drafting a running back this year when we knew that they were probably going to do they, that they were probably going to be replacing James Conner. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit of low hanging fruit to talk about the Steelers drafting a running back. Obviously, you know, slow times in the sports news right now, but. To me, the more salient question, Alex, would be where do you expect the Steelers to draft a running back? That would be a far more informative narrative. So I think there's a push and a pull on all the reasons there why the Steelers could draft a running back. It does make sense. It's just if they don't draft him early, I'm not sure how much it matters for this upcoming season. And it's I think it's, you know, I'd say less than 50-50 that they go early at running back. I just don't know if they're going to take a runner at number 49, Byron. That's too early. That's what I mean. Before you know it, you start getting pushed down the board. Obviously, still to some potentially talented players in this class. But before you know it, you're just you're stuck with another kind of guy in the mix with Jalen Samuels and Benny Snell. Albeit maybe one with more upside, uh, at least from the team's perspective. But as far as this year is concerned, I don't think that has much of an effect on – James Conner. They're going to pick it. Okay, all right. So I finally, I've been looking and looking. I finally found it. So they pick, they have a round, they have one, two, they have one, three. That was a, that was a uh, compensatory selection. They have two fours, one, six, and one, seven. 
they're going to take a running back with one of those two fours if Ed Bouchette is right, don't you think? Yeah, I think that would make a lot more sense. And so when you look at those kinds of players, um, let's see, who's, who all – who all is going to be off the board by then? Let's just, I'll, I'll just, I, I, would just, I would just like to go through and see what kind of player we could be talking about here. Let me just pull up my rookie worksheet and pull up my running backs. And I mean, aren't so, you probably talking about like a Edwards Hilaire or Cam Akers or one of these guys? Do you think Edwards – no, I, I, I think Cam He'll Akers be will be gone. gone before then. I think Edwards Hilaire will be gone before then. Yeah. DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins will be gone before then. Jonathan Taylor will be gone before then. Let's start getting to the Joshua Kellys of the world. Maybe, um, or maybe the guys like, what about like an AJ Dillon or a Zach Moss? I think that's probably more. Teams might like Zach Moss more than I do. Um, AJ Dillon from Boston College, that could be God, that guy in a Steelers jersey would kind of remind you a little bit of the bus, man, right? Jerome Bettis. Um, I don't know. I, dude. This is going to, yeah, you're right. This is going to end up being an A.J. Dillon, maybe a Joshua Kelly, maybe a Keyshawn Vaughn, Eno Benjamin, one of these types of players. That's who the Steelers are going to end up going with. If they're lucky, it'd be a Keyshawn Vaughn or a Joshua Kelly there. I mean, to me, that's more the type of player that they need. They just haven't seen the juice out of Snell as an all-around player or even out of Samuels just as a pure runner. And I, I, Ideally, in the mid-round, they'd like to get a guy that has three-down capability – with some upside in this deep class, but still, I just think that turns into a merry-go-round. It doesn't really affect James Conner for this season that much. I mean, I still trust Kevin Colbert at his word that they're going to give Conner every chance in the world to kind of get run into the ground this season. So you you're you're fine with James Conner as far as as far as best ball and redraft. Just I mean, obviously dynasty, you're probably a little bit more worried, but. You're fine with James Conner right now? I mean, would you take – we're going to talk about this guy in a second, but do you like James Conner more than Chris Carson? I think so. I think, I think so I do until too. after – you know, I mean, honestly, I think both teams could draft a running back. I mean, it's it's not out of the question for the Seahawks to draft a running back. And I would expect it to be a middle-round guy, you know, since they've already burned the first-rounder on Penny, but I know we're going to get to Penny later in this episode, but those guys are both, both injured. And, uh, so I, both those guys could be facing a similar situation right now. James Connor is the healthier player. And, you know, if he gets a full workload, I actually think he might actually be the better player. Uh, I think so too, but here's, here's my question because let's just, let's just shift over to it. So what what we're talking about is, Players from the 21st of, of March to the 31st of March. Um, so it, in this case, we're talking probably 50 to 60 best ball drafts over on best ball tens that have occurred. And the difference in average draft position from the sample that we take from the 1st of February when these things started, when we, st- when we started kicking off um, best ball tens. And the difference between the average draft position of these players over the course of all those drafts, as opposed to the average draft position over the course of the last 10 days. And we're going to talk about players whose average draft positions now have fallen 
when you compare them versus the average draft position over the course of, of the whole um, the whole period that we've been doing this. I know that makes sense to you, Byron. Do you think the way I explained it make, is, is going to make sense to everybody? Or do I need to do a better job? Or can you clean that up? Well, I think it made perfect sense. Okay. That could just be because... Um, that could just be because you always look at this stuff too. But it, it's basically the, the, these guys have been going later over the last 10 days than they have historically since, since since the beginning of February. Maybe that's a better way to say it. And some of the ones is pretty – it's funny, man. Do you know the one who's going – Joshua Kelly is the one who's fallen the most, that we, we, who, who we were just talking about. And I didn't really bring him up to you because his ADP is so low anyway. It picked you know, 240 or something like that. But amazingly, he was being taken at more like 180 or something earlier. I wonder what has caused his precipitous drop. Um, because all these other guys who've dropped this much that, you know, are sort of out of the range that I didn't share with you because they're not players who uh, are, are, are going in the, you know, the, the first 14 rounds of, of, of actual you know, fantasy drafts. And uh, that's where we need to concentrate the most because even though we're talking best ball right now, before we know it, we're going to blink and August will be here and these sheets will be for, you know, for usually for 12 team redraft leagues that have 16 rounds in the draft. And by round 14, you know, probably what, 80, 85 percent of our users are basically done with their draft at that point in time, because all you take is kicker defense after that. So of the players who are sort of in that range, um, I mean, Will Disley is kind of, you know, barely in that range. You know why he's fallen, the Seattle tight end. That has everything to do with Greg Olson, right, the Greg Olson signing. Royce Freeman has fallen 60 slots. That's easy to easy to know why, um, simply because Melvin Gordon is now in Denver. Dwayne Haskins has fallen. Why do you think Dwayne Haskins has fallen? Is it because it looks like it's like we're not – is it because it's not even a lock that he's going to be the quarterback for the Washington Redskins next year at this point? We're hearing more and more and more talk about them taking a quarterback at two. I I think that's that would be the reason why. Carlos Hyde, um, that's pretty easy to. I mean, his his situation is up in the air anyway. In in Houston, everybody hates Carlos Hyde anyway, and now we have David Johnson going there, and then we get to Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny, his current ADP has fallen forty five spots to number one eighty two. So we're talking. Golly, that's a that's a almost a three and a half round drop. Along with him, Chris Carson's ADP has dropped to. Oh, sorry, uh, Chris Carson's ADP has dropped sixteen spots to where now he's. He, I can't believe he was going at the two three turn at a certain point in time. Um, right now, he's going at more like you know fortieth overall. Why are both of these guys dropping? Is it just, I mean, is it because in Seattle, you mentioned earlier, they're both kind of hurt. We also had the report from Brock Heward saying he basically, you know, he said he basically guarantees that Seattle will be drafting a running back, which I just, I just, I, I think it's, I think it's so crazy. When are they going to find, when are they going to finally hit on one of these goddamn running backs? I mean, didn't they draft, they drafted Travis Homer, they drafted, uh, Rashad Penny. I think for some reason, I really believe CJ Prosai still could be kicking around on that goddamn roster. I mean, they missed on Bo Scarborough before he got, you know, before he got booted out of there. Um, Chris Carson's been the one that they've hit on, you know, seventh round, was just a seventh round pick, I think, out of Oak State that year. Clearly, I mean, we've heard Jim Nagy. 
Jim Nagy is like the original Chris Carson apologist and truther that kind of got us onto the idea that, hey, look, last year, I mean, he told, he's like, they like him better than Penny. They don't, I don't care that they spent a first round pick on Penny. Carson's the guy. It seems like that kind of was the deal, but Penny did begin to come on a little bit. He started to kind of look good. He started to look like a player that's like, all right, I, you know, that was an egregious fucking pick to take him in the first round, right? Absolutely horrible. But, he started to be like, well, all, all right, you know, he actually looks, he looks good. He just looks big and fast like we all knew coming out. But then he, you know, gets hurt and tears his ACL. Why are Chris Carson and Rashad Penny both falling? Because generally in these types of situations, when one player falls, the other, it's because the other one is kind of surging. Well, I think it's a multitude of reasons. I mean, in my mind, Rashad Penny is nearly undraftable coming off of that ACL injury pretty late in the season, a guy who where weight had already been a concern continuously throughout his career uh, early in the NFL. I mean, maybe this causes him to take things more seriously, but that's pure speculation. And then I think it makes a ton of sense that Seattle drafts a running back as well. So you start to bake all of that in and, you know, you know, you could make the argument that Chris Carson was overpriced. So that's part of the reason for this phenomenon that you're talking about where both can go down. And then, of course, the injuries. I mean, Rashad Penny, the ACL late in the season, and then Chris Carson at the end of the season, they, they thought he had a fractured hip. Now, Pete uh, Carroll yeah, came yeah. out the, at the combine and said it didn't turn out to be a fracture and that they think he'll be ready by training camp. Uh, you know, so you know, I, for me – I don't really want to take Chris Carson before round five or six. I mean, I think ultimately folks will make so, pretty. So he's still overvalued if, 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 if you're having to take him in round four. Yeah, I think people will eventually be able to make a pretty solid argument about Chris Carson in round four. It's just, in my opinion, not getting a ton of value there currently. So, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not real bullish. And uh, certainly on either of those guys, I certainly can understand why. Uh, we're kind of seeing this unusual situation where both ADPs are falling concurrently. And then, look, I want to comment on the other two guys you mentioned. First of all, I think Joshua Kelly was riding the senior bowl wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Things have evaporated. Before you know it, even when you get into the – people getting deep into these rankings, I mean it's, it's pretty hard. And before you know it, it's difficult to crack, get him past that top five or so really. And then before you know it, you're saying – you know, what am I really doing with RB five, six, seven, you know, probably maybe even lower than that. And some people's rankings that haven't scouted him live in the class because as we know, success, well, it's a chicken egg situation in so many ways, but there is a pretty strong statistical correlation between where these players are drafted and how they're able to contribute in fantasy and in their careers over time. And especially in that first year so you know i i think people may be coming back to earth for a couple reasons on kelly there and then i wonder if the other reason we've seen haskins come down alex has anything to do with cam newton heading the free agent market yeah what you do you really think they're going to bring him in 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 washington i don't necessarily think they're going to bring him in but if you had to write up a short list of places where he's viable. I mean, you'd have to say, I mean, that that would be one of them. Well, they, but they already traded away a fifth round pick to get Kyle Allen. You would have think that they could have probably got, I mean, they, the Panthers had to let Cam go. It seemed like Scott Turner might've wanted Kyle Allen more. I mean, 
they know more about his injuries than anybody else does, man. And I know that he went and saw I, what Dr. Robert Anderson in there in Charlotte anymore because Dr. Robert Anderson didn't he move to go be the the, the Packers team physician, Dr. Anderson, who did all the who, who used to who everybody used to go to to get their fifth fifth metatarsal done. I think he took the head job. I think he took the team physician job with the Packers. So he's not down there. But there are there are a ton of these orthopedic guys still there in this Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, Rock Hill, South Carolina, Hilton Head kind of like a bunch of these specialists live out there. And I guarantee you, there's also a ton of them in in Atlanta. I guarantee you that that's you know Cam and his doctors, they or Cam and his agents got Cam the full you know the full testing and the full checkup and everything like that, I guess from a doctor that one of these specialists, the teams actually send players to. And it was a smart thing to do, right? Because you can't go in and take physicals right now for these, for these teams. Teams are clearly worried about Cam because he has not only one injury, but kind of doesn't he have two? He has two injuries. There's a shoulder. I think there's a foot. And so teams are like, well, we don't, I mean, doesn't it seem like somebody would have signed Cam Cam Newton? No, nobody's signing any of these last couple. There's not very many big name guys left. Doesn't in it seem like somebody would have signed and, Cam Newton? No, they're not because they can't get physicals on any of these. Well, that's the thing. I mean, he, but, right he, but, I, but I, what I'm, what I'm saying, saying is that you're saying he's, that even to, would, he's even gone to get he's even gone to get uh, an independent examination done by supposedly a doctor that NFL teams will trust. Because here's the thing, dude. You, like, it isn't like you can just go to the fucking Go to up to you know Total Men's Health or some primary care clinic around your house, and have some dude you know give you an okay to play NFL football. It's like you need like you need like this this this, this takes context. It takes nuance. Like these team physicians know what these coaches and what these other team physicians need to hear. Like they they, they know what to check for. They, like so if Cam went and did one of those things. With an ind- with a trustworthy independent physician, and we're still not even getting any nibbles or because here because here's the thing you could still sort of sign him, and the have the have the uh, signing though be contingent upon taking your physical the way that many of these free agent signings that we've considered done many of them aren't done like the ink's not on the paper yet. For these. I think you know, it's a, easier a lot to get of these away guys still to pass with somebody physicals. like a Michael Brockers or something. You start talking about a. Big name, marquee quarterback. It just it sends ripples through everything. Look, if in your view it's irrational, I, I don't necessarily see it quite as far fetched. I'm just looking for explanations as to why Dwayne Haskins' ADP may have fallen, and it's happened somewhat contemporaneously with Cam Newton's release in Carolina. So, I mean, there may not be that much to it, but just a, a, another thing to consider. Look, I know we're going to talk about the Jaguars and DJ Shark in this episode. I mean, to me, that's one of the other. Between them and the Chargers, those are the other two spots that potentially make a lot of sense to Cam Newton for Cam Newton to me. Although I would much rather see Jameis Winston in Jacksonville. Oh God, I, I would. Oh man. Oh, that would be. I mean, that would be that would be something. Um, both both those guys. James Jameis has fallen thirty four spots in ADP. Um, Cam Newton's falling 32 spots. Devontae Freeman right here with him. He's like, Jesus Christ, who, who knew what's going to happen with them? Well, you, you, you mentioned DJ Chark. Let's just, I mean, might as well just talk about him. Um, his ADP has fallen 13 spots over the last 10 days. 
over the course of 54 drafts that have occurred between um, between the 21st of March and the 31st of March here as we turn our attention to April. Do you – why? Is it because of the fallout with the quarterback situation? Because, I, I mean, I honestly think that once Nick Foles came back in last year, Nick Foles didn't have the connection with – with uh, Chark that Gardner Minshew seemed to through through the majority of the season. I mean, it only makes sense that it's related to the departure of Nick Foles. But to your point, that's he was really be- that Foles. really yeah. that really belies the actual data from last season. So for guys like us, for Roster Watch Nation, we're not going to let that. Uh, we're not going to let that wobble us. You know what I mean? We're not going to let that shake us when it comes to DJ Chark. So I'll just take the extra value, you know, you know, a little bit, a little bit more value on DJ Chark, a guy that David Caldwell said, you know, got his first taste of the pro bowl and it's made him very, very hungry. And it doesn't really feel like a player. You got to worry about taking a big step back in terms of like getting a, a big head and, uh, I mean, I, I truly think the team views him as, you know, if not a wide, re- not an elite wide receiver one in the NFL, but a guy that has wide receiver one type potential, you know, on a consistent basis. What about what I see Devonte Parker and DJ Chark as kind of similar players, players that really bust out last year. We've, we've been waiting on it from Devonte Parker a whole lot longer, but I mean, they're players that I'm, I'm, I'm interested in. I'm interested in both of those guys this year because I'm finding myself going a little bit heavy on running backs early. And then through, through this sort of area of drafts, the fifth, sixth, seventh round, you know, trying to really mine value in these spots. We've had Devonte Parker, his ADP's fallen almost 10 spots over the course of the last uh, 10 days going from around pick 46, so right there around the 4-5 turn to more like around the 5-6 turn, why could that be happening? Is it because people are waking up to the idea that we're, we're going to get uh, we'll get Preston Williams back next year, Albert Wilson, presumably, I guess, coming back healthy, Jakeem Grant signed a long-term deal just la- – I guess not long-term, but a multi-year deal just last year. Like what is this – what is the calculus behind Devontae Parker falling 10 spots in ADP? Well, it's difficult to understand. Maybe people are waking up late to the idea that there could be a rookie quarterback who ends up playing a whole bunch uh, this year. That's the only thing that I can really figure because uh, that along with the, fa- the fact that Parker was probably overpriced. So now that things are maybe happening a little bit more in earnest, we're getting a little more volume on these drafts. Uh, you know, there's more variance at this point as we're accumulating data on ADP. Look, you'll be able to make a really strong argument that Devontae Parker could and should be drafted as a wide receiver too. I'd personally still be much more comfortable drafting Devontae Parker as a wide receiver three, Alex. No, you're not going to be able to draft him as a wide receiver three this year. I mean, maybe you could. I guess you, I mean, you go... You go your first couple of you go your first couple of maybe go two running backs to start, and then from there, if you take one maybe one wide receiver, come back and see if you can grab another one of the you know maybe if you just let's just say you were picking at the turn and you started out with like I don't know Josh Jacobs and Nick Chubb or something, and then with your next pick you could take 
let's just say, uh, I, I mean, maybe you could take Odell Beckham, you know, Kenny Galladay, something like that. And then with that same pick, maybe we talked earlier about a Connor, you know, maybe a Connor. We talked about Chris Carson, maybe one of those guys with the way they fall, Marlon Mack. And then once you get to another, uh, what, another 24, yeah, I don't, I, you're, you're not going to be able to get him as a wide receiver three. You're going to have to take him as a wide receiver. You have to take him as a wide receiver two this year, I think. If you can get him as a wide receiver three, you're getting excellent value. I think the guys that we're going to see maybe fall to where we can get them as wide receiver threes are more like the Robert Woodses and the Stephon Diggs with his new spot in Buffalo and the like guys like Michael Gallup and Will Fuller. Tyler Boyd, these types of players. I just, I don't think we're going to see. It just feels like there's a tier that's like Devontae Parker, Debo Samuel, DJ Chark is right in there. DK Metcalf is kind of in there. I think you're going to have to take those guys as, 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 as your wide receiver too. If you go heavy on wide receiver, early, or if, if you go, go relatively heavy at running back early, they can be your wide receiver three if you only take two running backs in the first five rounds. I mean, I think that makes perfect sense uh, i may not end up with a ton of parker at those adps i mean like i said there's a strong argument wide receiver two especially that team may be playing from behind quite a bit etc 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 flores wasn't over the moon for a young and recovering preston williams even if they draft the guy i'm not sure how much of a dent that makes early so you know i just think just flores given, over the moon for anybody I don't no, really trust that guy fine. to be over I think the that's moon. just his right. just yeah. his mo, right? Yeah. So I'm fine with that. You don't give that too much, right? You know, credence and just, just, just get, given everything, given our entire history with Parker, I, I'd still prefer him as a three with upside. But I, I mean, I, that, it makes total sense to me that people are going to treat him as a two, and it's going to be uh, difficult. I mean, the question it raises is, what other wide receivers would you have been looking at right there around? Uh, the juncture when you were talking James Conner and Chris Carson because you had already peeled off uh, two running backs at the round one. Two well, yeah, turn. no, I mean, so so I, I totally agree because that because you can maybe go, you know, if you did go the two running backs at the turn, then instead of going like Odell Beckham, Chris Carson, you could go, you could go, you know, Odell Beckham, A.J. Brown, or Odell Beckham, Kenny Galladay, or – you know, Kenny yeah, Galladay, I would Cooper like that Cup. much better. And then you maybe, then maybe if Devontae Parker fell to the next round, then you could have him as your wide receiver three. Because, it, you know, here's the thing. At that point in time, you're going to be – the reason why I, I don't – yeah, I, I don't know. Because the thing is at that point in time, once you get past these running backs that are sort of in that same tier when you would be taking those sort of A.J. Browns, Kenny Galladay's, Cooper Cups – the guys we talked about, the Chris Carsons, the James Connors, the Marlon Max, maybe one of these rookies like a DeAndre Swift. I think Jonathan Taylor at this point will be gone by then. Damian Williams, you know, David Johnson, um, Raheem Mostert. Those guys will be gone before you pick again. And so if you're going to need to go running back, it feels like you can probably on the next one take Devontae Parker. And then, you know, you don't feel as bad taking carry on Johnson as a sixth rounder or Kareem Hunt, or even David Montgomery. So then you could have Devontae Parker as your wide re- There, we have cracked the code. How to make Devontae Parker your wide receiver three. The way to do it, you're going to have to have a player like on Johnson, Kareem Hunt, or David Montgomery as your RB3. 
Yeah, that would make me feel much more comfortable. What about LaVisca Chenault? You were there at the Colorado Pro Day before the Pro Day Tour got uh, unceremoniously flipped on its head, just like everything else in the world. What do you think? Why, why, why is his ADP falling? I mean, the, I had it pulled up, but his ADP is one of the like, – he's one of the big fallers. Is it just because we were expecting a great workout from him and he didn't get to work out? He's falling 50 spots. He was going around 150 in the, in, in the earlier best ball drafts. Now he's, he's well, well past 200. Yeah, a little bit of a squirrely dude. Talk to him for a few minutes. Not, well, not size-wise. No, no, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. Temperament-wise. Um, Does he march know, to the beat of his own drummer, a la Malachi Dupree? It sure does seem like it. Now, uh, out of sight, out of mind, huge contributing factor to what's going on with Chanel. I mean – no combine, no pro day. It's really opened the door for guys like Mims and Jefferson and Pittman, all of those players to uh, kind of step into that void. So what I saw from Chenault, Alex, is the comp I'm kind of hearing a lot on him is A.J. Brown. You know, I'd say the difference is when you see Chanel, and I've seen them both, you know, live and in person, stood right next to both of them, being at both those pro days the last two years. Chanel is a taller, rangier guy, almost like an AJ Brown meets a Denzel Mims, like about a Mims type frame, but he was that full blown, like 225, 228 that AJ Brown is, just a couple inches taller, looks like a rangier guy. So difficult to put an exact comp on him but from a physical perspective and even from a playing style you know when those are those are good comps so still a player i think we can get excited about and maybe we're discovering some value credit card bill.